Welcome, welcome to today's episode of the Dreamers Succeed podcast. I have the pleasure of introducing you to the amazing Julian Hayes. Julian is a performance advisor and epigenetic coach. Did I say that right, Julian? That is correct. Awesome. Helping uh, busy entrepreneurs and executives upgrade their entire human system with precision. Guys, this is going to be such an interesting topic because when I first met Julian, I was blown away. I had never even heard of any of this stuff. Anyway, he is the founder of The Art of Fitness and Life, a boutique company specializing in upgrading an entrepreneur's entire human system, as I said. He is the podcast host of Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. He's a writer in some of the world's largest publications, and he is an amazing human with tremendous light. Welcome, Julian. Thank you so much. I, I'm always honored when people read introductions. I, I'm just like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. So thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on here. You are so cool. And I am so grateful that you have made the time. Um, I, I know from our first conversation, I was like, please, you got to come on the podcast. So just just a, such a tremendous, um, you know, person with, with so much wisdom and, and so much light, as I said. How are things, Julian? Things are great. Yeah. And I, and I, and I look and I, I just think that what other choice do we have? We can choose the negative, we can choose the, the negativity or we can just take things for what they are, turn that poison into medicine, which oh. has really been a saying for me over the last year after some not so good things happened. So. Right. We're going to so get I, into a little bit of that. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm living, I'm living the dream. I'm living the dream. I love that. I love that. And and it's so funny, Julian, because I went, when I was working on my pilot's license, I went to a, a fly-in. You know, they have all these people, they get together at an airfield and they bring in their planes and it's just a weekend full of fun. And I remember I'm walking up to this guy and he's sitting there on a lawn chair, you know, just smiling away. Um, had a little uh, piper he was selling and, you know, we could go in and look around and and I said, how are you doing? And he said, live in the dream. And I said, that's what I want my answer to be. So I love that you said that because that's that's what we should all be striving for. So, so Julia, tell me a little bit, give me a little bit of your nutshell. Mm -hmm. You want to condense it a little bit because I know I've had the pleasure of meeting you. Mm -hmm. uh, but for those of the people in our audience who have not had that pleasure yet, give us a little bit of a, of a backstory. Okay, so... Just a, my first involvement with fitness is probably on the basketball court as an older gentleman, much older than me. And so that starts to change my paradigm with health because for that, up until that point, I really thought once I get to 30, things are downhill from there. Luckily it's not because I'm a little over 30 now. So it, it's actually true. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. You look, you look amazing. So thank you. And, and so we go from there and I eventually really get into fitness for a lot of the reasons that most college age guys do. You want to impress girls and you want a little self-confidence. Once again, little did I know that it doesn't really take as much as you think and the confidence is an inside game, but that's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. and, and so probably where it gets interesting is my, my major in college is marketing. I really want to be an idea guy for like GQ or some fashion magazine, just giving ideas. I learned what marketing actually is, the entry-level stuff, and so I have to push the red button around my fourth year and say, okay, I'm not going to do this, but I'm too far now, so let's do pre-med, because I always wanted to be, medicine's interesting, health is interesting, so do my pre-med on top of the major, get into medical school, go to New York. New York's a crazy environment to me, because I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, 
Nashville, New York, quite the difference of places. So I'm up there. Normally, I'm kind of the weird guy back home, a little different to everyone. Up there, I've never felt so just in, in place and normal because there's some really, really crazy people up there, <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> and, yeah. but the cool thing that happened up there is I spent a lot of my time, I didn't go to class and because a lot of it was online and I could two and three X the recordings and enjoyed New York while studying. So that was one, one sign right there that this is probably isn't for me because I'm trying to go have fun more than I am actually studying. Mm -hmm. And, but when I, I started meeting people who were really living their dreams, combining their passions with their dreams and making a living out of it. And that really stuck in my head. Cause up until that point, I was really doing things that it sounded good to go be a doctor. It's very prestigious and it's, it's pretty much a guaranteed job. As long as you don't fail out or do nothing crazy, you're pretty much going to have something there for you at the end of the tunnel. And I was first generation also, but just, I just felt that pull it's like these voices or, or something. I can't explain it. Mm -hmm. and, I, and it's just like, this ain't it. This ain't it, dude. This ain't it, dude. And so I finished a year out and everything, but I just decided not to go back that summer because I wanted to write and tell anyone about it. Had a best friend who really took me under his wings to, to help me with, with writing. And then over that time, I'm still involved in health now. And I still can read the latest medical stuff and health stuff and experiment on myself and provide it to clients too. So that's me in a nutshell. Wow. I love it. I love it. And I love the, the, the New York experience because I think that's, that's one of those things that everybody has to experience uh, at some point, but I love how even so young, Julian, you were, you were listening to the voices. You were, you were, you were quiet enough in, in all the busyness to be able to hear what your soul was telling you. So can you tell us exactly what is an epigenetic coach? Yeah, in a nutshell, it's someone that uses, that leverages your unique DNA to make different health recommendations and fitness recommendations in a nutshell. So when you hear epigenetics, epi means above the gene. So your genes are set in stone. They're not going to change. But through the thoughts you think, the way you eat, the way you exercise, the way you breathe and train, all these different external inputs from the environment, they can control what genes will turn on and off. And so when we think about our diets, we often hear, do this diet, do this diet. Well, some of us, depending on our genetics, are going to have a greater outcome probably by doing this particular diet compared to this other diet. And so this just makes it more of a precise method that you're working with. And it takes, it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. Holy moly, that sounds so interesting. And you said something, uh, the thoughts that we have, how, how much of our mindset do you think either has to do with our genetics or can alter our genetics? Mm -hmm. Is that a mm -hmm. question? I don't know. That is a question. There's okay. two parts of that. So when we think about meditating, meditating is a common thing now. And there's actually been studies on this that you can positively change a lot of your genes. You can sit like some of the quote unquote bad genes, you can repress them. And some of the quote unquote good genes, you can activate them just by meditating. I forgot the actual study, um, but I, I know, I think it was maybe six weeks that they looked at it and it was 20 minutes a day of total meditation and they can start to change their genome. And when we think about, um, you mentioned mindset and family. And what I think about that is there's trauma that can't pass on from generation to generation. 
And there's, there's people who actually just study that specifically. And I know different, oh, I forgot to study again. My, my studies are a little, um, mm. I see so many that they it. all get, they all get convoluted. We just want but, the results anyway. Yeah, <laughs> Everybody that's, <else. laughs> that's true. That's one thing I actually did learn. So I actually have to, like, when I started talking to like the real world, instead yeah. of just academia, academia, you got to have every minute detail <laughs> just, just, for, just for them to listen to you. If I, if I went that, it's like, this is a randomized controlled trial and we did boom, 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 boom. The real yeah. person like, oh my God, what does this mean? I just want the result. So, yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> so back to that, I think it was the Dutch famine, I believe. And I think two to three generations after that had an effect on them. Wow. Because there was, I think food was scarce at that time. And so that affected their genes two to three generations after. And this is the same thing as, um, like my side. So for instance, my genetics are, I have a higher propensity for blood sugar problems. This probably started for a couple of generations behind. So sometimes I joke with, with women, especially, and, and men as well, that you're not just eating for yourself right now, but you're eating for your future generations as well, because that affects them as well. So we're all connected. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's impressive. I just finished a book that's called um, so when you said, I didn't even know that that was something people studied. When you talked about it, you just mentioned that it's called, it didn't start with you. And yes. It does, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so they're talking about, they're, they're more talking about it from a psychological standpoint, but I can see what you're saying. It's almost like, like we have the ability knowing what we know that we have better tools than our parents did. They had better tools than our grandparents knowing what we know, we have the ability to maybe reset the cycle in, in some areas, would you say? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's, I think we all have this default setting point. Some of us are come from a more positive upbringing. Mm -hmm. So that's easy. Whereas some of us are a little more from a fearful background, a little more hesitant of a background, a little more of a conservative background. And that definitely shows up. Either case, you still at the end of the day can control however your, your output is going to be. Just some of us, it might take a little more work just right. depending on our background. Right, right. I love that. I love that. And you know, I've read several of your articles. Guys, just so you know, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little, a little bragging here. Uh, but Julian uh, is a contributing writer for Entrepreneur Magazine, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so I read a couple of your articles and, and in one of them, and, and I know you're in the corporate space a lot, and I want to talk about your coaching and how you bring that into that corporate space to, to combine the two. Um, but I, I read about the importance of KPIs and we all know in the corporate world, the importance of tracking KPIs in business, but you also talked about the importance of tracking our health and our personal KPIs mm -hmm. in that article, which I thought just blew me away. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because I think that's a huge blessing to our audience. Yeah. So one of the reasons that inspired me is because it just seemed over time throughout the years that the more higher performing the individual was, the more they really needed to see it, the more they relied on data a lot of times. So, and a big thing came around the area of sleep because a lot of people can probably function okay on five to six hours of sleep. But I always said there's a difference between existing and thriving. Yeah. And just telling them that is like theory. And so how can we make this easier for you to conceptualize? Well, we can use technology for that. We can actually see, hey, this is, this is your heart rate. This is your HRV. 
This is your sleep breakdown when you do X and X behaviors. Mm, So therefore, because data doesn't have any emotions. Now, is it 100% accurate? Absolutely not. But there's no really true absolutes in the world, at least not that many. Mm -hmm. But it is something instead of just me being a figurehead and just talking to them. So now we have this. So it's like a partnership. And so one thing I like about data is that it brings accountability to us. A lot of times, and I'm guilty of this as well, which is why it's great that I have, I have a wearable on myself right now, is that we can let some of, our, some of the easiest habits and behaviors slip because we're either working so much or we're actually serving others. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're not putting our own oxygen mask on first. And over time, we notice that there's a book called The Slight Edge that reminds me, and The Slight Edge can go either way. And a lot of times this slight edge goes in a not so good direction when it comes to our health, because I mentioned those things before. And, and so when we have that technology that's reminding us every day that we can look at and assess our behaviors, it's a way to check in every day instead of just going for the routine checkup, like a lot of people do at the doctor every six months or so. Mm-hmm. And so you're being much more proactive towards your health and your performance instead of being reactive. So therefore, you're mitigating the chances of having something that just catches you completely by surprise. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I love the way that you said it. I know, I know that in the article you you get into it a little more, but but you even mentioned wearables. You know, mm-hmm. we have there's so there's such a and I have my Fitbit. I, I learned mm-hmm. first about the Fitbit, you know, like back in 2014. And I I keep upgrading to whatever the latest one is. But what's funny is that when I don't wear it, I really am not doing as much mm-hmm. like like you don't realize it but but this little thing nobody's watching but it's watching me and it, and it really makes a difference but let me ask you something julian because this is a conversation that i have with a lot of people because we're 5 amers right we're we're you know dominate the morning and you can dominate the rest of the day tell me a little bit about that sleep because i'm someone who who gets by you know i look like crap right because i'm not i know i'm not getting enough sleep but how important is it? You know, sometimes I'll do four hours and I'll feel like, hey, man, that was a good four hours. Um, it's, I know it's not enough. I'm 53 years old. I, I should be probably sleeping a lot more. But how important is that? And, and is that something a lot of people are ignoring and not considering as part of their health equation? You know, this is interesting um, because the, 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 the science side of me wants to say we all really need to maximize our sleep seven to nine hours, depending on how much stress you put on your body, the more sleep you need. But I can't ignore the fact that presidents, a lot of presidents live a pretty long life and they have a lot of stress and they are not sleeping eight hours consecutively every night. So I think, which I think this is, this is just some theories in my head. I think there is a certain thing of like they, their life force is still strong. And so I do think they continually have a purpose. And I, and I think that matters with your health to a certain extent point. I can't quantify that, but I just see it. so many high performers live long lives and they don't have this, this sleep dialed in. So mm. I, I don't know on that, but the, but the health side of me, it, so I would say, and this is probably not a politically correct answer. If your lab work looks good and everything and what you're doing, I say, keep doing it. Oof, yeah. I say, keep doing it. Now I do yeah. know for myself, I train two times a day. I'm training for a marathon as well. 
So I do need a little more sleep. So, mm -hmm. but if you're not training like a mad, like a crazy mad person mm -hmm. and you're managing your stress pretty well, I say, keep doing what you're doing as long as everything checks out because we're different. And there's actually genes. There's a gene called DECA2, I believe. And maybe five to 10 of the, five to 10% of the population has this gene to where they can actually thrive on being a short sleeper. Mm. So I personally know that I'm not one of those people, but this is where you also have to be realistic. If you're really trying to make a big difference in the world, you're going to, there's a price to pay for that. Right. Right. And so the thing is you're finding your balance with that, finding enough time to, for your family, for your business, for your clients and in mm -hmm. your sleep as well. Yeah. So yeah. that's probably a long answer, but that's just, that's really been on my mind lately because you do hear so much about how important sleep is and it is important. And we see these research studies about it, but then I have the eye test and I see in the real world, I see these presidents. I see all these, I see some of the athletes, all these other people yeah. and they're, they're doing just fine in their eighties and nineties. And I know that they had, long periods of decades of four or five hours of sleep with high stress. If they had a wearable on, I'm pretty sure it's near the max. Right. Right. So those right. are just things that just really inter interest me. So that's why like a lot of times when I'm talking to someone, I don't really give black and white answers anymore Beautiful. because I just have to see what yeah. it's like. It's like a, everyone's a blank canvas. That's really my approach with health. Now everyone is just a blank canvas. And I, that's sometimes not a satisfactory answer for people who are looking for, I talk about with precision and without the guesswork. Yes, you do that, but there's still a bit of experimentation in that. You're just mm. shortening your steps still, but you still have to be a scientist at the beginning. Right, right. And I love that you said that because I think one of the, one of the most powerful things that we get to do as coaches is that we know, we understand that we can't cookie cutter this world anymore you know, everybody is so different and, and there are, you know, you talked about balance, that balance is so important and making sure that that wheel of our balance is really functioning in the way that we need it to function. You know, I, I know people who, who don't smoke, don't drink, don't, and you know, all the numbers may look good, but there's something wrong and something happens. And then I know, you know, my cousin's wife's grandmother was 104 and mm -hmm. somebody asked her, you know, she lived by the beach, she used to walk along the shoreline and they would ask her, what's your secret? And she says, I drink one can of Coke every day. And I think Coke <laughs> is pure poison, right? But she's like, I drink one can of Coke every day and I walk on the beach every day. And I think she lived to be 107 or something. <laughs> this is why, like I said, you know, our health, is, it's a system. It, you really have to have a systems mentality. These things do not exist in a silo. And so I look at this as like one big pie chart and there's so many slices in that. And each of us are going to need a different bucket. So maybe some of us have genetics that gives us a higher probability of making it to hundred, 120 and beyond where some of us don't. And so maybe we got to put a little more attention in that area, yeah. but, but we still got to look at our purpose. We still have to look at all these different areas. And, and so yeah. That's what really fascinates me because I truly do believe that we are closer than we are further away from, from 120 being in the norm. But I think the way to get there and, and what's going to surprise people is that it's just not going to be these one to two things. It's really just going to be a collection of things that are going to be put together for people to execute on. And, and for people to, to know that they need to be looking at the entire picture probably mm -hmm. instead of just whatever 
okay, now this is what they put out. Now everybody runs and morphs to that. Every, you know, this is what they put out. And it really is just, it sounds like you're saying, Julian, just listen to your body, get to know your body, mm -hmm. know what's going on, know what works, know what doesn't work and apply more of what works and less of what doesn't. Yeah, I think there's, science is great and we need that. But then I also think that, um, this is probably, I'm probably getting this mixed up a little bit. I guess more Western philosophies is just hard science. Right. Whereas more Eastern philosophies doesn't really, is more intuitive. More and holistic. I think, yeah, holistic. Yeah. And so yeah. I think we, I think we need a blend of that. And I think, I think that's really the key is to have a nice blend of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you said that. I, I know that for me, I, I've been doing, you know, the, the, the Eastern side for many years, unless I need to go get blood work or something like that. I I'll go to my acupuncturist, my naturalist, you know, my body talker, my, my cranial sacral person. And, and I, I feel, you know, that I'm, that I'm probably at, at the best health of my life right now. Um, so, you know, from a, from a place of how I feel. So I love that, that you mentioned that because I think we can't be stuck on, on one thing or another. And, and now that you, you talk, you touched a little bit on, on this, when you were talking about the presidents, the high performers, uh, there's another article that I read where you talk about the importance of slowing down to speed up. I love that article. And I love your writing style, by the way. I can't wait for your book, Julian. But can you tell <laughs> us a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah, this is a, a lot of times, here's a, here's a dirty secret. I don't know if writers actually tell this. A lot of times the articles they write, especially those who are very prolific and just have no problem creating content, a lot of that is just really because they're talking to themselves. So in this article, <laughs> I'm really talking, I'm really talking to myself of slowing down to speed up because I have this thing where I think it's, I think it's all of us to a certain extent, but some more than others that you see people doing certain things. You see certain success that people are getting, you know, like, I want that. I can get this. I want it now. And what that does when I was thinking about the article is that what this does is I start getting on somebody else's race. And this is, and I'm thinking about like my marathon training now is that it's not really a race against anyone but yourself. And so slow down to speed up. I think a lot of high performers, motivation is far from the issue. You don't have, I, I don't need motivation to get off the couch or anything. And a lot of times we're great problem solvers. We're accomplished already. But the thing that gets us to where we are now, it will not take us to where we want to go next. And you only could get that through inquiry and inquiry requires patience. Patience is something that people like myself and a lot of type A people, that's our kryptonite because we like to be doing. Yeah. But the very thing I, and, and if we're not doing, then sometimes we can feel like we're procrastinating or we're lazy or we don't deserve it. We have all these just bad feelings coming up. But so that's what I mean by slow down to speed up because when you get precise in your strategy, because it's, it's about, the marginal gains now you have the big picture you already have some momentum but it's the slight edge now it's like the athlete who is an all-star but he's trying to look to be an nba champion he's trying to be the mvp so that extra five percent matters then so he has to really get dialed in on okay maybe it's working on my jump shot the release the catch is the release of my three-point shot to increase that percentage by three to four percent which is huge and like in baseball, it's going from a batting average of 290 to maybe 315. But going over, hitting three out of 10 instead of two out of 10, that's a 
probably a lot more money and you're an all-star and hall of famer. Exactly. And so all these times we have to slow down to speed up. And when you slow down, you get focus, you get your strategy dialed in, then you're going to take off and go faster because you're a lot more in alignment with what you're doing. And that's what a lot of people would you, would you, would you agree, Julian? Is that, that's what a lot of people are just not doing. They're, they're tripping over themselves. And I don't know if you've ever done hurdles. Those of you out there, um, I used to, haven't done them since like middle school. Right. Um, but I remember that it would get to a point where you're running so fast and getting the hurdles that you, you can get out of rhythm if you're not pacing yourself. Mm-hmm. And eventually you're going to trip over that second to last or that last hurdle. And, and there goes all your time. You were rushing to get there, but you're done. Yeah. So- and I also think is one more thing. And I am a, a friend of mine who's way, way more seasoned than I am. That's a great way of me calling that they're more experienced entrepreneur. Yes. So I, I like to say just like well seasoned. And so, and sometimes he's like, sometimes that thing you want, you, you, you got to get, you, you had to get success bestowed upon you. So if you had, a flock of people at your door waiting to work with you. Would you be ready for that? Would you be ready for what success brings? And so that really made me think. And if I was honest, I know I'm not really ready. I I, I think I was really ready because I'm not as organized as probably I should be. I'm not. So there's a lot of little nuances Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't be ready for. And that that success could actually maybe crush you a little bit or, or suffocate you. So are you actually ready for the things you want? So that's another good reason to slow down, to speed up. Beautiful, beautiful. And I love that you said that, Julian, because a lot of people, the answer would be like, of course I'm ready. <laughs> and, and actually then when it hits, it's, you know, it, all those things that you described. That's, that's amazing. So Julian, what's, what's the big dream? The big dream, the big dream is just to play a part in helping the world in general redefine how to go about their health and aging and really make 120 the new normal. I'm going to write that down. That's beautiful. I love it. So Julian, if I look you up in the dictionary, what would it say? Curious. Oh, okay. Okay. Have you always been curious? Yes. And it used to get me in trouble as a little kid. And now it's a gift now. It's a gift. I love that. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. So what is your, what would you say is your holy shit factor? My ability just to bring ideas across multiple disciplines and make it easy for people to understand. Love it. So concise. I'm so good. And I, and I can just hear the people, even the people that, that we're connected to um, mutually and, and the people that, that I've had the blessing with your permission to share with, with those in my, in my tribe as well, uh, I'll come back with, with that. Oh my goodness, it's just, there's so much, there's so much there. There's so much love for service. There's so much passion and there's so, and it's, it's just cool. It's cool because you're not, you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're maybe whispering instead of shouting, but it's packing a punch. So I, I love that and I appreciate that. So Julian, tell us where can our audience find you? What do you have coming up? Um, tell us a little bit about what, what you've got coming up in the rest of this year. Yeah, so what I have coming up more this year is just to create more impactful content. So to, I really took a year to, I was creating, but I was doing it at a pace of really building myself back up before and getting my oxygen mask 
getting my bucket full before I really started to serve into people. So I'm just looking forward to actually creating more impactful content for, for my tribe, for listeners, for the world. And so my home base is the art of fitness and and the podcast is optimal health for busy entrepreneurs. So, um, so yeah, that it's, I keep it short and sweet. And then I, I'll, I'll, you'll be hearing about my the email list a little more too. too. So um, with some experiments and stuff I'm doing on myself. Okay, good, good. So best thing is to sign up for, for, for your emails so that, yep. so that they can stay on top of, of what it is. So if they go to the, the, the website, there's a place for them to sign up in addition to seeing. Yes. Mm -hmm. You'll, you'll see a, You'll see a tab called superhuman insider. And so that's the name of the newsletter. So I, I like giving names to everything. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's very cool. Very cool. So you superhuman insider. Yeah. I'm sure you're having great success because everybody wants to fall into that category. So I'm a superhuman. I want to be, that's, that's brilliant. That's brilliant, Julian. Julian, I'm so grateful for you. Um, I'm, is there anything you want to leave our audience with before we go? I guess I always, I always say this and a friend shared this with me is just to keep doing things for the intention and not the attention. And that, that's a lesson for me just as much as everyone else. Ooh, that's powerful, 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 powerful stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Julian, again, for making the time. I know you're busy, pulled in a million directions, but I am so grateful that you've come to share with us today. Um, I hope you'll come back. Uh, I know there's there's just so much I could have picked your brain for a couple of hours, probably, but I want to be mindful of your time. And folks, you heard it here. Look them up. I'll make sure to put all the call letters, you know, when we when we share this episode uh, Julian, thank you, thank you, my dear. Um, enjoy. What when is the marathon, by the way? It's scheduled at the end of August. End of August. Okay, so you is this a full? It's a full. I'm I just lost my breath just hearing you say that. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm I'll be rooting for you from here. Um, all right, folks, you heard it here. Go out there and do good and be great and go play outside. Thanks, Julian. Thank you so much.